Well, good morning, everyone. Great to hear that response. And uh, it's very good to be here with you today. Uh, if you missed the early part of the service, I'm Ed McLean, and it's a privilege to uh, bring God's Word uh, to you as we uh, reflect on it together in a few moments. But before I, uh, I get into that, I, I just want to express that I have known you, Richview, uh, from afar for uh, some time. Uh, because my wonderful daughter-in-law, Cheryl, is one of your prodigies. Uh, her last name before McLean was Harvey, and of course her parents are Jeff and Cheryl Harvey, who are uh, one of your congregation. And uh, uh, we uh, love her and love, love her parents, and uh, it's now uh, a thrill for us that our son uh, Daniel is one of your congregation. Uh, we have three children. Uh, Becky, Michael, and Daniel, and we saved the biggest for last. Um, he's my a wonderful big son. Uh, but I'm always interested in uh, what's happening in other churches, having uh, been a pastor for uh, well over 30 years. So we will often chat as we've uh, gotten together over the last four years about uh, Richview and, and this church. Uh, and so when uh, Cheryl and Daniel uh, shared with me earlier this year about Pastor Joe's uh, cancer, my heart went out to all of you. And um, so I've just been journeying with you from afar. And it was very meaningful uh, for me to be here last Sunday to hear both the love and the legacy of Pastor Joe and uh, just say may the passion, the clear passion for Jesus and his church continue to inspire you and guide you in the, in the coming days. Now, as you may be aware, uh, due to the special service last Sunday, the schedule for the uh, December series has changed a little bit. Um, last Sunday, Tyler was going to launch this uh, series uh, that we're doing in December, but today that uh, falls on me, and then of course the next two Sundays, uh, Tyler will be preaching on this series, uh, which is considering how Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament promises. Because at Christmas, we are celebrating the coming of Jesus to our world. And I would suggest not only his uh, birth, but what Jesus' uh, life, his death and resurrection, the whole package, what all of that uh, was about. Now, of course, uh, we need to recognize, don't we, that as we live in our culture, uh, the focus around us is, is not Jesus, but on uh, Santa and snow and parties and presents and all the kind of stuff that uh, goes with that. And a lot of that, of course, is fun and wonderful. Uh, but what the church proclaims, actually, in the, in the midst of all of that, uh, is that Jesus is the true reason for the season. Right? Uh, 
maybe a phrase overused a little bit, but nevertheless, um, it makes the point for us. Jesus is the reason for the season. That is, uh, that Christmas is about the Christ, uh, or the Messiah, Hebrew for Christ, whose name is Jesus. Uh, and what, of course, we seek to proclaim in the midst of that is that all the, the gifts and the celebrations can have a, an incredibly rich meaning and significance if we really understand and, and come to know personally this Jesus. Because the greatest gift, the greatest gift of all time is Jesus. And so one of the ways, one of the ways that we can celebrate that and explore that is by marveling at, at how Jesus' birth and life were actually the fulfillment of Old Testament promise, promises and prophecies made centuries before. And so today and for the next two uh, Sundays, we're going to look at three important themes uh, that are very important for our lives today. And today, uh, we're looking at Jesus and the promise of peace. Peace. Uh, peace is certainly one of those words that we hear over and over again in this Christmas season, don't we? Uh, even in our, our culture at large, somehow we all know that uh, Christmas is to have something to do with peace. Uh, lots of the familiar carols, Christmas songs mention this uh, topic of peace. And uh, if we get any uh, Christmas cards this year, now that the mail strike is over, uh, many of them, like those on the screen, are going to uh, focus on the, on the theme of peace. And of course, we all want peace, don't we? We long for peace. But when you stop and think about it for just a, a minute, it can kind of be difficult to get your head around just exactly what we mean by that. What is this Christmas peace that Jesus brings? And so we're going to explore that today. We're going to begin uh, by looking at first the Old Testament prophecy and then we will read what Jesus said at Jesus' birth. And this is going to be up on the screen as well as I think it's in your bulletin. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, one of the great and foundational prophecies about uh, the Messiah that we believe is fulfilled in Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then in the New Testament, at the angel's announcement to those shepherds out on the hillside, uh, when the birth of Jesus was announced, we read these words in Luke chapter 2. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So one of the titles given to this promised and prophesied Messiah in the Old Testament is Prince of Peace and the declaration that peace would come through him and then the angels declaring that his coming is going to bring peace. And so it's not surprising that when we read through the life of Jesus in the Gospels and, and when his followers write about him and what it means to follow him, this topic of peace comes up over and over and over again. So again, what is this peace about and how do we experience it? Uh, well, as I've studied and re reflected on this theme, uh, what I've discovered and going to suggest to you this morning is that there are different levels or dimensions or aspects or, or facets of peace. And, and I'm going to uh, explore with you uh, three different but interrelated dimensions of peace. And the first level or dimension I'm calling personal peace or peace between a person and God himself. Jesus said these words to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then this very important word of teaching from the Apostle Paul found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. At the very heart of the message of Christianity is actually this very sobering truth that we are disconnected from God because of our sin. That we have all failed and fallen short of his glory and we're separated from him. But the good news, the good news and why Christmas is such a celebration for us is that Jesus came to restore us to a right relationship with God, to forgive us our sins, and that the scripture describes as peace. And let me suggest that this is much more than having uh, peaceful feelings as we go for a, you know, a walk in the woods or a sense of stillness and inner calm that maybe people achieve by, by going to yoga class. Uh, scripture is talking about something else here. It's talking about the peace that Jesus can bring that addresses actually the, the gulf of separation from us and the true living and holy God. The scriptures teach really that our greatest problem is actually a disconnection from the living God and that Jesus came to address that, to heal that, to restore that that Jesus came to bring peace to our souls. A peace that scripture says the world cannot take away. It 
can't give it, and it can't take it away. So the good news, the celebration of Christmas is that Jesus came to bring peace for our relationship with God, our Father, to restore us to fellowship. Because the fact is we are made, designed to know and love God. And Jesus ultimately made that possible through the cross. A a great price was paid for our peace. And that's what that very important and powerful word justified is referring to in that that verse in Romans. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. A, A legal term declaring that in the court of God, though we're deserving of punishment, the punishment has been paid by another, by Jesus. And that's what the cross is about. We can have peace with God. And so again, this morning I want you know this peace. You know this peace. If you have never experienced this peace yet, then, then this might be the best Christmas ever. To know deeply that you are forgiven and that because of Jesus you have been stored, restored to a right relationship is the best gift of all. And that's why Jesus came. Now, I wasn't, this, was, this is an early morning addition to these, uh, this message. Because there's a secondary kind of attachment to that primary piece of peace with God, a restored relationship. And and that's what uh, Paul writes in Philippians, he talks about a peace that passes all understanding. And often Christianity, we talk about that peace. But what I want to emphasize is it's it's actually a corollary to this peace with God. It's it's that contentment, it's that inner uh, sense that when we are in right relationship with God, we know this peace. We know freedom from anxiety and fear because we're in right relationship with God and God by his spirit ministers to us this peace that passes understanding. So that's the first level that I wanted to explore. Uh, But when the scriptures speak of peace, it's often addressing a second level, which I'm calling a relational peace. Now, to look at this, I want to read a passage from Paul's letters to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 uh, to 18. So let me read this for you. And again, it's on the screen. And Paul writes, for he, referring to Christ or Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, clearly, this is a 
different kind of peace than the personal peace that was just talking about, although that peace is also included in this passage. But the peace that's being addressed here is actually about a, a peace between people. And the immediate context as Paul writes these words in the first century is actually the centuries-old divide between Jews and Gentiles. But my suggestion to you this morning is that this peace that is being talked about here uh, addresses what is so often at the core of all broken relationships. And that's pride and prejudice. And I'm not talking about the movie or the book. Pride and prejudice, and, and chief among those, pride. You see, what Jesus does when we embrace him and his message is that we are all humbled knowing that all of us, all of us need forgiveness. That each and every one of us need grace. That everyone, regardless of their religious, economic, or ethnic background, we're just all in the same boat needing the reconciliative work of Jesus. And that is actually the foundation for true reconciliation and peace in our human relationships. When we truly recognize and internalize that really God does love everyone and that that's why Jesus came, then even that person that we might find so very, very different from us or maybe even difficult, my attitude begins to change towards them. I begin as I internalize the life of Jesus. I begin to see that person the way Jesus sees them. And my heart begins to open towards them. Now, when Scripture teaches that this do peace does begin with Jesus, that he's the one that provided for its possibility, the one who is our peace, it's also true that there's a very active side for us in establishing this relational peace. And so Paul writes these words in Romans 12 and verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, the relational, the personal peace that we experience with God is, is meant to flow out to our relationships with others. As we are reconnected with our Heavenly Father through Jesus, then we long to be in right relationship with others, along, of course, with also wanting them to know the peace of Jesus in their own lives. I think that this is really a, a very significant part of what it actually means to put Jesus at the center of our lives. We want more and more of what 
Jesus wants. And what Jesus wants is for there to be peace in our souls and peace in our relationships. And scripture says that's, that's why Jesus came. That's why he is the Prince of Peace. Now, will this be easy? <laughs> Absolutely not. The way of Jesus is not easy, but it's good. It's good. And it brings joy, and it brings beauty. There are few things that bring me to tears more easily than seeing relationships healed and, and restored. For there to be peace where there was once conflict or division, separation, hurt. Does it always happen? No. And that's why there's such wisdom in that verse where Paul writes, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's not a guarantee. You can only take responsibility for your side of a relationship. But let me suggest this to you today, that Christmas is a wonderful time to reflect on whether there is peace in your relationships. And whether, in fact, the Prince of Peace might be inviting you to do something to bring greater peace in your relationships. So before our time runs out, let's look at this third level of peace, which I'm calling world peace. World peace. Uh, you see, the scriptures hold out this grand vision, uh, the vision and plan for Jesus coming to our world was not only for individuals to experience peace with God, as, as wonderful as that is, and, and to not only bring peace to our uh, immediate relationships that we might uh, readily identify, but God's ultimate plan that we're to grasp is that his longing desire is to bring peace to our world, peace to our world. And while in many ways this is certainly an extension of the relational peace that we've already looked at, there's an, actually an aspect of this world peace that has a different element to it. And that involves this concept of justice. Justice. And clearly this is a, a huge topic, and my goal is simply to kind of introduce this grand thought that Jesus coming to our world has huge implications for actually the entire world. Uh, pastor and author, uh, Dr. Timothy Keller, I don't know if you've read any of his works. He's an amazing uh, preacher, teacher, uh, scholar. He writes these words. The purpose of Jesus coming is to put the whole world right. To renew and restore the creation, not to escape it. It is not just to bring personal forgiveness and peace, but 
but also justice and shalom to the world. That's a beautiful word, shalom. It's really the the Hebrew word uh, for peace. And, And the word shalom is very broad in its implications. It it has this whole idea of of justice and well-being and world peace. Uh, Again, let me remind you of those words that we read from the prophet Isaiah that captures some of this, of the prophesied Messiah, 9 and verse 7, of the greatness of his government and shalom, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. His longing is to bring shalom to the world. And the reality is that throughout the history of the church, uh, as the very hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ, when, when the church has been operating at its best, Sometimes it's operated not at its best. But when the church is operated at its best, it has been an agent of peace or shalom in our world, seeking to alleviate poverty, working against discrimination, uh, battling such practices as, as human trafficking and slavery, uh, pursuing the rights of uh, minorities, education for all, proper health care for all and so on. That's shalom. That's the outworking of the rule of God. That's world peace. For you see, when we worship Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I think it's important to reflect on the fact that Jesus is at work by his spirit in our world to bring about his kingdom of peace. And we're all invited to be part of it in some way or maybe in big ways. And yes, at times we might feel discouraged, overwhelmed actually, when we consider the chaos of our world and the challenges of our world. But hear me, God's story, God's story is still being written. And one day, one day, we're all going to experience God's shalom in all its dimensions. And it will be glory. I need to close it there for your own further reflection. Let me ask you this day, what does Jesus coming as the Prince of Peace mean to you? In your soul? In your relationships with others? In your activity in our world? And let me just say that if you are distant from God today, there is no better time than in this Christmas season 
and even in these moments right now, to be renewed with this great, unending, reckless love for you, that it might be well with your soul. So let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are present here through your Son and by your Spirit. Thank you that we can gather in these moments and experience and know your peace. And Father, we long for greater peace in our own hearts and our own souls. So And Father, we pray for greater peace in our relationships. And Father, help us to know what, what is the thing that we are to do. For as far as it depends on us, help us to live and promote peace. And Father, as we think of this great vision of shalom in our world, grant us discernment of what our role is to participate in that. That your kingdom might expand even till that day when you set up your eternal rule. So Father, we thank you for this day. Now as we come to the table to be reminded again of all that you've done for us, what you've made possible for us. Help us to enter into it and experience you.